Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I am Banu, and I'm happy to be back here with Andrew Cohen, Managing Director at NetSuret Automate. Andrew, welcome, and thanks for making the time to join us on this podcast. Thanks for having me, Banu. It's nice to meet you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. I know we're going to focus on uh, your value-based go-to-market commercial model, which was very refreshing when we talked through that. I thought it was actually very ingenious what you're experimenting with. I would say experiment because you've newly introduced it. And I know it's on top of mind for many of our listeners probably value-based delivery, right? I mean, clients, client retention, client happiness and satisfaction, all is based on them fulfilling their value. And you've taken it to another level at the delivery side. So I'm very excited to share some of your findings, lessons learned, and how this commercial model is working for you. Terrific. Yeah, a lot of lessons learned (laughs) over the last year and a half. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's great. And so let's get started. I think the audience probably is interested to get to know you a little bit more. So if you can tell us a little bit about your life before NetSuret and then what you do at NetSuret, that'd be great. On the personal front, I'm just uh, married with three kids. I'm an older dad and I just have my third uh, child. She's uh, only four months old now. So wow. that's why my beard is starting to come white. I started shaving <laughs> a little bit more frequently. So if you see pictures of me on the on the website, I've changed my look a little bit <laughs> today. But anyway, so yeah, just um, on a professional side, you know, I had my own company. It was called Evoke for about 20 years. And in the end of a uh, 2021, we decided to merge and we were acquired by NetSuret. And NetSuret, they're a global, what we call managed services provider company, the heavy cybersecurity foundational type of work, where my company, Evoke, was really focused on digital transformation, creating modern workplaces, really leveraging a company's availability to deliver accelerated solutions, better processes by using technology. So we were doing that for quite some time before the NetSuret uh, merger. And then since uh, January 2022, we've become part of NetCert. And my group, I'm the managing director, is called NetCert Automate. And we focus on the innovation arm of the business. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming to the podcast. Getting to the topic that we're going to focus on, I know uh, we talked about your sort of commercial delivery models, right? And this concept of service-based work. And it was interesting for me to talk through that because intuitively, when you're delivering a service, it's obviously service-based, but you clarified and discussed with me project-based service versus services-based work in the distinction with that. And I think that ties well to your new value-based model. So can you just uh, explain to the audience the difference? Prior to joining NetSert, we had a a solution within our own company called Evoke. We called it Evoke Engage. And we knew there was an opportunity. You know, we did traditionally large, uh, big projects where they had the milestone delivery, traditional model of software development life cycles with the design elements as well. But we found an opportunity, especially during the pandemic, to understand what companies are trying to leverage their technology a lot more actively. So we created what we called Evoke Engage. And it was allowing us to really work with companies really quickly to define automation, innovation opportunities, you know, but still project-level-based service. When we became part of NetSuret, uh, we launched what we call Innovate, and it's Innovate as a Service. And it is a productized type of uh, delivery model for basically creating solutions as a service on an ongoing monthly cycle over the course of a calendar year. 
why it differs from like the traditional project model is multiple different factors. One, we can do more with a more accelerated timeline. It's a very agile type of approach to delivery, quick uh, analysis, right to development, and uh, and then measurement in terms of the effectiveness of our solutions. The project type of uh, work that we do is still in in house. We do it a lot. You know, a lot of clients don't want to go that route, but it has more of that traditional model where big milestone payments are due, a big milestone delivery. There's a lot of um, time between uh, connectivity between the the client. It's not quite as an agile model, even though we do agile development on both sides. Innovate allows us a lot of touch points from day one to delivery of multiple solutions in a calendar year. So that's kind of a differences in terms of we approach it. And probably the biggest change, um, more than just the delivery model, is how we measure it. We have what we call return and innovation guarantee. So every solution we do, we have a predefined set of metrics agreed to by our customers that define when the solution goes live, are we hitting our metrics for success, whether it's on profitability, process improvement, risk aversion. These are kind of the areas that we measure and we target and we share that uh, information on a monthly basis with our clients. Diving into that model, the whole return on investment, as you iterate, if I'm understanding correctly, like, so if within each iteration, you have a target to what would be the benefit and value that the client would get from that particular, is it by iteration or is it a solution would have multiple iterations? And then at the end, how how do you define that? That's a good question because it it varies. You know, how we typically engage, we do initial uh, we call it an immersive innovation workshop with our customers. And we'll define multiple use cases that would potentially live under the Innovate service. It could be one solution, like you said, with multiple releases, of course, a, a year. So there would be iterative kind of release schedule. Traditionally, that's the way we go with big projects. Most of the innovation offerings that we do, they'll fall into those use cases where you can deliver effective solutions in a very quick period. So we'll deliver one, start charting the f- success against that, and measure the value, and move down the priority list to the next uh, solution. So they might have an automation just connecting to the Salesforce in a more automated manner to the distribution center or something of that nature. We'll deliver that, roll it out. That particular uh, business unit will have that uh, feature and start working and measuring the effectiveness. And we'll maybe work with another business unit within the organization that has defined another use case that we can attack. So it's really kind of working with our customers, working on that priority list, delivering as many solutions as we can that falls into one of our tiers of our Innovate service. And then we're measuring as soon as one rolls out into a solution. So if we start at the beginning, which is the workshop you just named, I'm just interested, is that a free workshop that you do? What's the kind of duration? What's the nature of how, and are you defining the KPIs you're going to measure success against at that point? Or do you, like, how does that process work at the very beginning? At that initial workshop, it's a free one. The first, we do like an hour, an hour and a half workshop with our potential customers. And we're not engaged yet. We're not a billing. It's more about defining all the potential use cases. So it could be just one business unit or multiple business units within the organization. Obviously, depending on the size of the company we're working with, there could be one person for many <laughs> departments or it could be department heads for each uh, you know area. What we'll do from that is we'll chart that act- activities together. We'll define the use cases prioritize and vote on those together with the customer to define the ones that have the most feasibility and value to the business based on some of the metrics that we can define for success. Then we take that back and we deliver a report post-meeting where we kind of identify, here's the ones that have the best value to the business, here's where we see you potentially fitting, and then we map it to the innovate tier level that they would be at. Now, to get the full ROI uh, measurements, we have to do a little bit more immersion into their, these actual use cases. It'll be a little too high level after that first hour, an hour and a half, because it might be multiple use cases we're identifying. But we've identified within that session the most valuable ones we, we find, 
And then we kind of dig in deeper when we start going to real engagement and business analysis work. And then you you have an SOW. Do you actually state in your SOW the expected value at that point? Like how are you going to get measured? And is the payment based on concurrence on that value? Well, here's how that works. Yeah, we've identified those use cases. We've also agreed upon the metrics for ROI success within those use cases. That it does get uh, dropped into the SOW proposal at that point. And what we call the innovation uh, return innovation guarantee, the ROI, is once a solution is implemented and it's rolling and we've, the metrics we've defined together, if it doesn't deliver on the promise, on the solution, on the things we're tracking, we have to work for three months for free on us towards the end of the wow. contract. We can add into the contract that way. So that's already in the language of our agreement, our, our terms and conditions. And then how we apply it is tied to those use cases that can live. Again, we have to define those use cases based on what tier we're going to deliver. It comes in three packages, base, plus and max. And within those, each there's kind of categories of what we can deliver in each of those different um, those funnels. I love the fact that you've actually productized this, right? Because it actually improves your effectiveness and, and it supports the team is much more comfortable in delivery at, in that kind of a model, right? Because they understand one package versus the next, what is at least the framework or the borderlines of complexity, right? Yeah. And you just said the right word, complexity. That's what defines what tier a customer could live in. I mean, if it's like a base quick thing that we can deliver a simple automation or standing up like just a quick internet that we can do very quickly that we've done over and over again, or show them how to best use the tools at their fingertips with their current technology investment. That kind of falls into our base category. It's something we can deliver on a monthly basis. It's a lot of configuration, some limited low-code delivery, and that's pretty much what they're going to get in that year, you know, in the lower tier. The middle two tiers deal to more complex solutions, more automation, maybe some dashboards, things of that nature. We're really connecting systems together and giving a better overall visual picture of the organization. So it's a lot more intense in terms of effort. But like you said, our delivery team knows pretty well based on the solution profile, what we're doing, and how quickly they can turn these things around and deliver an optimum product. There's a lot of companies that are doing IT and and digital transformation right now, and they categorize it, and it's a huge undertaking, sometimes multi-year, but there's also a lot of emphasis on quick return, right? These transformational programs that are taking multiple years are actually fading away, right? Because everyone is striving to get quick value. I'm I'm curious on what you think about the model you're introducing and how it fits within this movement we're seeing in terms of digital transformation. No, that's great. You just speak about the inertia and this whole digital transformation journeys for a lot of companies, you know, where it's all this energy at onset. And then as you're into year two and three, it just starts to fade. And then the solutions get more just de-emphasized. So what our engagement model is a lot different, you know, because really there's three pillars that our company works in, in terms of there's a foundational side, which is the core side of the net cert business. You just basically helping companies move to the cloud migration. That's a heavy initial lift of digital transformation, just getting people ready for what we do. Our teams focus on what we call operational effectiveness and customer experience side. So we really, once we get that kind of lift into the whole cloud, we really have an opportunity to find these quick opportunity use cases to quickly deliver solutions right out of the gate. So the goal is within that first 30 to 60 days, we want that solution embedded, implemented, so they can see the value right away. And then we can move down that list to other priority use cases. So it's a very um, highly engaged initial model. What I find is probably the hardest lift is that first two weeks. 
That's where we're really digging in the deep business analysis requirements and having the documents. So there's a traditional effort there that does live with this service if we're doing a complex solution. The stuff that we can turn on, we call out-of-the-box solutions, where almost like the no-code, low-code solutions to show clients or configure something, we can do those in days. So those are things that we can quickly, if we've identified something, turn on their service, work with that company, see what they really need quickly, we can find a quick win in, like I said, in that first 30 days or less. It's, again, fascinating model because it's almost addictive, right? Because you're proving your value as you're going versus I'm going to hold my breath and cross my fingers, hoping that the value you committed to is going to actually be delivered. So fascinating from that sense. And I know it's relatively new, but what is your anticipation on period of engagement? Are you, because of this progressive, iterative, proving your value, are you expecting that you become a long-term partner, really? And is that what you're seeing? You kind of hit on the point there. We call perpetual innovation. We don't find it like it's a destination. There's no start end point. You know, it's ongoing. Most companies have so many needs and challenges they're doing, manual processes, old systems are retiring, just how to stitch things together. Our traditional model is, you know, we get in with a customer and we work with them for a long term. So, I mean, we've always had that kind of engagement model already in our DNA in terms of we want to work with a company for as long as possible. You know, we have clients that have lasted over 10 years that aren't on the Innovate service. You know, they're big enterprise companies. However, in this model, yeah, exactly right. We're going to identify in that first year, hopefully multiple use cases we can deliver, start tracking, and they're going to see a net benefit year two and three without us even being part of the picture. Where our goal is we're going to keep them as a customer. We're going to define ongoing solutions into the new year. Or like you mentioned before, there could be some modifications, iterations on the current solutions we did. They want to add enhancements to it. And then also what we do, once we deliver a solution, we move into support on those solutions as well. So it's all part of that Innovate service. Once we deliver, if there's no other things in a hopper to get working on, we move into the support mode. And then we can go to another one of these immersive workshops to define some other use cases with the different departments that might not have been part of this solution from day one. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Just doing a little bit of research on the company, Netsurit, you are very employee-centric and you live what you say, meaning that even your mission is around empowering doers. I, I may not get it completely that's right. That's the dreams but of the doers. Yeah. Yes, exactly, which I loved. So how, how does this model, in your opinion, support the doers, the team? How are they finding it? Is it helping what part of it makes it effective from the sense of delivery? That's a very good question. I mean, you know, we preach this whole dreams of the doers. Oren Klopper is the CEO. He's just a well-read guy. He always is introducing things to the company to try and incentivize and make that culture uh, live. So we practice what we preach. So the kind of solutions we work on from a delivery point of view to our clients, we're also doing it internally. We're our best patient. We're really look at ourselves on the South African side of the business as well as the U.S. side of the business because there's differences in different markets. So we want to make sure we run as efficiently as possible, introduce the latest and greatest technology, reinvest in our team, because if we invest in our team and our support and training and knowledge and certifications, it empowers them to do more. And we can keep the teams somewhat more agile and lean without just overloading staff just because we need more bodies. You know, By leveraging the technology and taking advantage of the most latest and greatest with AI and things of that nature, we're able to really expand our teams almost virtually at some times. The team members are excited to be part of it. The buy-in to internally to the Innovate service has been tremendous. It's our most recent product launch we've done at the company, and it's uh, all the weights behind it. We're excited about it. It's only a year and a half old, so it's definitely a new service. But the team that get in, in 
brought into that, the team members that we hire within as well to be part of the Innovate service, it's just exciting. You're right. It's really allowing people to realize their internal professional dreams within our organization. Yeah, I would imagine having been many years ago in, in delivery capacity, it's just as fulfilling for the delivery individual to see the value and get concurrence from the customer that the value has been delivered as it is for the customer. That in itself, I mean, outside of everything else you're doing, yeah. Even other similarities between customers and customers, they feel unique. And we can see the excitement from the client perspective when they get one of these deliveries in their hands and they start seeing that it's, it's delivering on the promise. And it's just a very exciting time. And the team just loves the work. They just dig in. They want to learn more about how they can expand their education around it. And we're able to just give the clients the highest value possible with this service. So a year and a half, you're clearly past the proof of concept period. And just was curious, what do you see the future of this model? What are some of the lessons learned and and adjustments that you may make to it? Yeah, we found over this last year and a half, a lot of um, insights. You know, I'm not going to say failures. There was obviously some challenges just getting up and running, you know, just learning how we could deliver what was traditionally a project type of work into a service model. So we've actually, over this last year and a half, we've been analyzed. We're constantly working internally. We probably have four or five weekly internal meetings on just innovate. You know, it's just something we're always refining, making it better. And right now we're doing a complete... A rework of our strategy as well. How is it working effectively? We measure, we want to make sure every customer we work with has our ROI in place. They've reviewed it. They've also do valuation of our service in terms of, you know, giving us the surveys and scores, how we're doing kind of things. But really what we've learned is not everything that we do has to fit in the Innovate service because some things are still projects. The projects still have to live in our world. We're excited to do them. But what we really found is that Innovate base is being refined right now. It's getting uh, kind of a not a facelift, but just reinvigorated where we could add different, uh, what we call like digital strategist type of personalities to come in and support me to help a company that's only spending less than 2000 a month with us to have as much maximum value as someone who's spending the full amount at Innovate Max. So it's really constantly shifting the, the targets a little bit internally, how we can make it a better product. And can't tell you, it's ongoing efforts. You know, it's something that in a year and a half, it feels like it's a, like a 10-year-old product right now because we do so much work on it. Well, you lead by example, right? It seems like that's what you're doing with your clients as continuously evolving process optimization and technology optimization. And you do as you preach, I guess, and, and you're evolving, you know, what you're doing with this particular offering. But just curious on the, on the team that actually does the work. Is it a dedicated team or the same members can do? the project-based versus a service-based. And the reason I'm asking that, I'm trying to get at what is the best skill set for effectively delivering on this? That's a very good question. Now, we're having kind of two different separations of the type of uh, personalities that work on this. We have a big delivery team over in Eastern Europe and actually Western Europe and Poland, I'm sorry. But uh, Warsaw is where a big part of our team is. They're the ones who do more of the complex solutions, really build out the traditional DevOps with some business analysis on top of it. The other area is like what I was just mentioning before, the digital strategist area, where we can come into a company, work with them, say, okay, let's define the pain points you have right now very quickly, things that I do on every phone call, but I might actually have some hopefully now team members that can do that as well. And within that first conversation, we'll be able to start looking at what they have from their technology stack 
and be able to line up really quickly how we could turn things on, show them how to have a better user adoption of their technology where they can find these very quick wins that takes no coding at all. It's not even low code. It's just configuration. So that's a really great value for that innovate base service. We can just come in very quickly and get some solutions right out of the gate for a customer and then helping them learn more, be more empowered to do more with what they're um, spending all that money for, for licensing. Low-hanging fruits. And is the engagement then to handle that low-hanging fruit and then you uncover the bigger opportunity after you've done that? Or is that how it works? Like you get them thirsty and you give them water and quench it a little bit and then that's it. Right, right. You mentioned about the addiction, how addictive this stuff is, you know. And also just when we deliver a solution, whether it's a large organization or a small one, it reverberates to the rest of the company. They all of a sudden say, what are you guys doing? How did you do that? And then all of a sudden we get brought in. So it is a very addictive model because once you have one working, they start thinking of, how can we do more? And here's another opportunity that's a lot more complex, like you're saying. So the smaller ones, the quick wins, the low-hanging fruit can lead to complex fixes. And that's where the big heavy lift from the DevOps team kind of steps in. We call like almost mini projects that still live within the Innovate service. Yeah. Andrew, can you give us an example of where there's been that mutual gratitude, right? And gratification between the doers and then the client. That's great. And, you know, it just popped in my mind. You know, we say the dream of the doers is not just an internal message. We want to, for everyone we work with, we want to create 100,000 doers outside of our company. So we're always trying to help clients do more and get out of the mundane part of their jobs. So one example of a recent solution is a one of our clients, they're a big Fortune 50 pharma company, a huge company. One of the issues was an automation need they had because it was a manual effort. Two full-time employees were just basically triaging an email inbox all day long. And so we figured out a solution just to enable this person to get out of that 160 hours a month just doing manual email delivery and checking systems to automate it. So this person didn't lose their job. They were actually elevate their position and they've only focused on the insights and data from the visual dashboards we created as well. So all the automation of that 5,000 field sales force to home office to product and fulfillment used to be a very manual 48-hour kind of process. We got it down to three minutes. Why is so cool that from my point of view and why our company, our team on the delivery side loved it, when we got the feedback, their VP of that department said it was the best example of digital transformation ever experienced at that organization. And this is a massive enterprise company. So when we hear something like that, typically solutions to enterprise space move the needle just a bit. This just had such a massive impact and it makes us feel really excited. And our team just loves hearing those kind of stories. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you. This has been fascinating. I, I love the topic. I love the innovation that you guys are having and I wish you all the best with it. But in closing, I know I've mentioned to you that I want to ask you, what is a book I'm always looking for, books to read, any suggestions that you may have for the readers? It's funny. I've mentioned Oren, the CEO before, and he's always introducing new books and ways to you know, I used to not be a business kind of book reader, you know, so unfortunately I'm a library for business books about this high and I'm not getting through them as quick as I'd like. But the one that really kind of leans into what I do on a daily basis is we had the Innovate service initially without it, you know, but we, we looked at um, how do we make it the best possible value? And there's an author named, um, and he's a business kind of guru, Alex Hamorzai, and he writes all these books about the $100 million value and $100 million leads. It's a little bit He's all over the internet. You could see him everywhere. But in terms of 
the $100 million offered book is the one that fit really well into the Innovate service. Obviously, it was, his was geared towards like the health fitness industry initially. But the lessons in there about getting these quick wins and feeling that pain, can you get a customer to get rid of that pain in a very quick way, makes the service almost self-fulfilling. Because if you can show a client, okay, you're wasting a risk issue that we've mitigated by doing automation, you got rid of the manual process, you lost $40,000 in manufacturing costs last year. If we automated that, that would have eliminated that risk. Would you not do it? So we almost give you that um, yes is always the answer because it becomes this stack type of solution that has so much opportunity to find value for your business. And then the way we are engagement model is a full team that's always uh, applied to it. You mentioned was it a dedicated team or team members moving in and out of projects into service. It's more of that. Unless a company wants to lock in a team for uh, like an enterprise deal for like a 12-month period, and that's all we do is that one client, we'll do that. But traditionally, our teams have actively moved from project or customer to customer. Yeah, and and I think that also probably serves better for your doers, right? Because it allows them to grow and evolve versus being with one client and not because obviously their skill sets expand. So that's fantastic. I love it. I will read it. Just a suggestion. Audibles are find are the best discovery <laughs> that I've had for business books. Like I, I love do, reading I my read fictions, <laughs> but I, I love That's listening true. to my business books through audibles when I'm taking my hike or, or whatever. So there is a suggestion for you, but thank you. Thank you for making the time to be with us. Andrew, wish you all the best. Hope maybe we can revisit this in a year from now. And I'm sure you'll have more learnings about how this model is working out for you, but really appreciate the time you've had, you've spent with us. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Any time you want to have us back on, we're happy to do it. But I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. As always, we love to hear from our listeners. If you have any follow-up questions for myself or Andrew, reach out at podcast at cantata.com. Thanks, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts, on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.